You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. I want to ask you a question. It's where we're going to start our journey tonight. What would it really be like in our world if we did not have Christmas? Like, what would our world be like without Christmas? Have you ever thought about that? It's such a weird question to ask because we've all grown up in a world only with Christmas. But there would be no Christmas parties to go to. There'd be no Christmas carols. There'd be no Kevin McAllister, anybody. There'd be no Grinch who stole Christmas. There would be no standing rib roast at grandmama's house. There'd be no Christmas year in bonus. There'd be no Christmas break students. There would be no Christmas carols. There would be no white elephant gifts for all the Baptists to buy lottery tickets for other people for. <laughs> Y'all got that Baptist in your family too? But all jokes aside, there would be no Christmas because there would be no star, there would be no manger, there'd be no nativity, there would be no virgin mother, there would be no Emmanuel God with us, there would be no Christ if there was not Christmas. And I just want to suggest to you that our world would be filled in that space with a whole lot of fear. Our world would be filled in that space with a lot of bad news. Our world would have unbelievable amounts of despair and anxiety and wait. There would be isolation and division worldwide. And so tonight, I just want to look at you and say, as we celebrate this Christmas, there is an actual Christmas message that steps into that space. And I wanna show you from the scripture how the Christmas message is not just a myth or a fantasy or a story we tell our kids, but it's the real good news that came to remove fear, that came to bring joy, that came to unite all people around the world. It's the Christmas story. And so if you're all right with joining in on that, I want you to go ahead and grab a seat on all of our campuses and you can pull out a copy of the scriptures if you've got your Bible with you. If you don't, that's okay. We've got big, huge screens that'll have the scripture, but we're gonna jump in tonight in the story of Luke chapter two. So if you've got your Bible, you can open them there. If you don't, you can open it up on the app. We've got all the notes preloaded there. And while you're turning, I'm just gonna create a little bit of a, a filibuster here, create some space, uh, give you a chance to just look to the, your neighbor to your right and left and tell them a big hearty Merry Christmas. Go ahead and do that. Merry Christmas. And so as you're turning your Bible to Luke 2, I'm gonna do the same. I gotta tell you a story about my house this week. I don't know if you guys have Christmas chaos at your house, but we had Christmas chaos at my house. Where are my parents at? Mom, Dad, where you at? Uh, all the kids are out of school this week. I'm still working. They don't understand how parents don't get Christmas break like they do from school. And so God bless my wife. She's at home right now with all three of them. I came home for Christmas, uh, Christmas break. I came home for lunch this week, pulled into the driveway, opened the front door. My wife throws open the door and says, I need you right now. I come into my house and there was tears and there was blood and there was scissors, and there was my baby girl's left ear. Her three-year-old brother, cute little sinner, <laughs> sitting with mom while she's wrapping Christmas presents and just decides he's gonna pick those scissors up. She's over here with the tape wrapping and just says to his sister, Mary Bradford, I'm gonna cut your hair. She doesn't even think 
about it, doesn't pay. Next thing she knows, she feels that scissor blade against her ear. Nothing a little liquid stitches that the uh, emergency room couldn't fix, but that was, that's Christmas. Christmas break, Christmas vacation, Christmas crazy. It's just happening in the life of families. Anybody got any of that going on, mom and dad, at your house? Maybe that's tomorrow, right? With the, get it with the in-laws and the outlaws and all those things. But that's Christmas, it's crazy. It's, all this is going on all the time. And so anyway, this is the real life, real world that Jesus Christ stepped into. And so I'm gonna read the story of Luke 2, verses one through 21. It's probably the most famous Christmas story in all the scripture. But I want us to get in our minds the reality that before we read this, there was no Jesus and no Christ and no good news. This was the first Christmas. Let's read it together. In those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town, and Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. Now watch the camera scene change, verse eight. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with this angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, Peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds, they said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, she treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, watch this, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Would you pray with me? Father God, a familiar passage, an unbelievable story. But Lord, I pray that it would ring true and resonate in every single heart tonight. That on this Christmas 2022, that it would hit us fresh as it did those shepherds 2,000 years ago. This announcement of a savior. Would you do it for your glory, our joy, the world's good, I ask 
in Christ's name. And say together, amen, amen. Well, let me catch you up to speed because I know tonight on all of our campuses, we have a lot of guests that are with us and we're so honored that you'd be here. Maybe family members traveling in from town or maybe you're just jumping in with a coworker that invited you. As a matter of fact, New Spring family, would you put your hands together and welcome our guests that are here tonight? We're so honored you come. Glad you're here. And so this is the conclusion of a series we've been in called The Story of Joy. And over the last several weeks, we've lived in the, the Gospel of Luke. And so just a couple of little fun facts here. Uh, in the Bible, there are 66 books that make up one Bible, 66 books. And, and actually, every single author of these 66 books is Jewish, except for one, and that's Luke. Luke is the one author in all of Scripture that, that is a Greek and he writes the book of Luke, and he also wrote the book of Acts. If you're doing a word count, he, he has more words in the Bible than any other individual, Luke does. And one of the things you need to know about Luke is he comes into the story of Jesus later. He was a companion of Paul after the resurrection and ascension and the building of the church. And one of the things that Luke does is he interviews people. He goes back and as that, if you go and you open up Luke chapter one, he's putting together a collection of eyewitness accounts of all of people that had seen Jesus do incredible things. And he was cataloging these witnessed events for someone he titles Theophilus. It just means God lover. We don't know if it was an individual or if it was just people that would love God in the future. And so Luke has these accounts. And so one of the things that we know about this account that we're gonna read tonight that we've already read, we're gonna unpack, is that more than likely, he sat down and interviewed Mary, the mother of Jesus. More than likely, we're talking about three decades after the event of the first Christmas. And he's sitting down with her, and you caught that little statement that it said that Mary treasured, pondered these things in her heart. That's the little wink that this is probably coming from Mary as she's recalling that night that she had her firstborn son. And she's telling him the story about how it happened, this story of joy, this unbelievable account about how the, the Lord of the world at that time, Caesar Augustus, had declared there was gonna be a census and so everybody's going back to their hometown and so that's how ultimately the Lord of the universe was born in Bethlehem was because God in his beautiful, providential, sovereign way orchestrated that he would be there in Bethlehem. If you follow the scripture, you understand that back in Malachi, in the Old Testament, Malachi actually prophesied that Jesus, the Savior, would be born in Bethlehem. And what's really crazy, church, is that God could have just let a, a mom in Bethlehem have a child. But I believe there's some beautiful things here that the God of the Bible wants us to see, that he is ruling and reigning over every detail of every life. And so he moves Joseph and Mary from Nazareth up in Galilee to Bethlehem at the time of the census he has this child born so that that prophecy might be fulfilled. At the same time, this, this king of kings and lord of lords, the God of the Bible, who's ruling and reigning, he moves this mom and dad to Bethlehem to have the child, but at the same time, listen to me, there's not room for Jesus to be born in an inn or in a home, but rather in a manger. It's this beautiful story that you're gonna see over and over again when it comes to Christ. This beautiful story of humility and humiliation, but paired with exaltation. And that's exactly what we see in the little account here we have of Mary and Joseph. They get to the location where they have the child, and 
We don't know exactly where it was. We know it was with the animals, right? And so that's why all of us have these nativity sets in our homes. And, and so they have the child. And so there's this moment of humiliation, the God of the universe being born in a food trough with dirty animals. Think about that for a moment. Now, at the same time, when the camera flips after Jesus is born, you see not just the humiliation of the first seven verses, you see this exaltation of these shepherds out in the field, and all of a sudden, this angel shows up and just blows their mind, and this chorus of angels show up. And we write songs about it. Handel made an entire Messiah about it. We've, we've done incredible things to remember this, but I want us to catch tonight a zoomed-in focus on the story of the shepherds. Because the shepherd's story, I believe, is our story. The shepherd's story is God coming to everyday common men and women right in the middle of their lives and doing three things. And I want you to write these three things down tonight. The first thing that the, 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 the story shows us is that these shepherds had an announcement declared to them. And the announcement was recorded right there in verse 9 and 10. It said that the angel of the Lord appeared to them, the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, pause. I want you everybody to look at me for just a moment. I know you've probably heard this, like Charlie Brown and the Peanuts have done this one for years, and we've read this story, but can you go there and just think about what it would have been like to be there and see this? Like, it would have scared you to death. Like, I'm not trying to be funny or crass, but, you know, one of these shepherds probably wet himself, okay? Like, it would have scared him like that. And so they're sitting there, and it's just like this angel shows up, this glorious, supernatural, divine being shows up and makes this declarative. Here's what he says in verse 10. And the angel said to him, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now, I want everybody to take this in. Because I believe this is one of the most incredible gospel messages in the entire text of the Bible. It meets humanity right in the middle of our everyday lives, full of fear, full of bad news, full of great despair, full of isolation and division. And in this one sentence, God sends one of his messengers, an angel, to declare to these shepherds that you don't have to be scared anymore. Don't fear. You don't, you don't have to settle for bad news anymore. There's good news you don't have to settle for the weight of great despair anymore. This is going to be news of great joy. And guess what? You don't have to settle for being ostracized and on the fringes of society. If you think you're on the outside looking in, I want you to know that the gospel says you're on the inside. That The message of the gospel is for all the people. And so this was the shepherds. Now again, we have romanticized these shepherds 2,000 years later, but they were ostracized 2,000 years ago. These men would not have been able to worship. They would have been considered unclean. They would have been considered the fringes. Like, I, I, I can't even really do them credit tonight as we talk about them because it wasn't just like they were nine to five blue-collar workers. Like, they, they were like on the bottom rung of that. But yet, this is where the God of the universe decides to make his announcement ring for the very first time. He decides to not show up in, in, in a palace. He doesn't show up with royalty. He, he shows up with the everyday men and women of that society. And that's good news for us here 2,000 years later. It lets us know that God hadn't forgotten us, amen? He sees you right in the middle of all that you're going through. 
And whatever fear and despair and bad news, whatever isolation and division and, and, and discord you have in your life or in your world, the good news of the gospel comes making an announcement. Now, this is kind of fun, but you know this, but the, the word angel, it literally just means messenger. That's what it is. It means messenger. That's what these guys were doing. And we don't, we don't feel these messengers that come with good news anymore like they did back in the day because the word evangelist is out of the same root. The, the good message, Ev, E-V, angel, good message, the good message. So this angel was, was actually an evangelist. And that's actually a word, if you go and do a little bit of etymology here, uh, nerddom here. Any, where are my nerds at? Come on, nerds. Where are you at on all of our campuses? Anybody? All right. A couple of you are here tonight. There'll be some more tomorrow, I guess. Okay. Etymology here, the word, the word evangelist, good messenger, was a military word. When, when entire kingdoms would go off and fight in warfare, they didn't have Twitter to let them know who was winning and losing. They didn't have Instagram giving them a live feed. They actually would send someone from the front lines, a young man usually, that would run back to the town with the good message. And as he's running, he's shouting as he approaches the watchtowers of the different cities, and he's shouting, good news, victory, victory on the front lines. We've won. We've won. The king has won. Good news, there's victory. This is the image of this angel, the evangelist, who's sharing, fear not, for I'm bringing good news of great joy for all people. The first thing the shepherds got was an announcement. Second thing that they got that you see in the action here, after this announcement, you see these shepherds go on a search. They go on a search. I'd love for you to jot that down, okay? They go on a search. We'll see it right here in, in verse 15 and 16. It says, when the angels went away from them, so after they make this good news announcement, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, hey, let's, let's go over to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Translation, uh, they're gonna go and confirm it. They're gonna corroborate this story. Let's see that this thing is true, okay? Verse 16, and they went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So they went on a search because they weren't just going to take this supernatural message to be true itself. They wanted to see it with their own eyes. Um, here's what I want to just throw out to everybody is that one of the things that occurs to us when we hear the gospel good news and has been occurring for 2,000 years is its intent is to bubble up in us a heart that is desirous to see it for ourselves. We want to we put our own hands on Jesus we want to see him with our own eyes. We want to, we want to hear him with our own ears. We, we don't just want to take the announcement. We want to actually go with haste and, and see him for ourselves. That's what the shepherds did. And, uh, and that's what I want to encourage us today to do. And I just want to say this because I know in a crowd this size at Christmas season, I am sure there are people that wonder, you're here tonight because you got invited by maybe a spouse, a friend, a coworker. You might not even be in on this whole Jesus thing. You're kind of kicking the tires and asking questions. I think that's incredible. I just want you to see that Jesus loves to invite people to come look for him. Come on, it's okay to search. Skeptics are invited in. He's not, listen to me, the God of the Bible is not scared of your questions. He's not. The God of the Bible, he, he's not scared of your questions about science or your questions about, well, you know, history. The, the more, listen, if, I know we don't necessarily know each other, but I'm just, I'm, I'm asking you to trust me, okay? I'm looking at you right in the eyes and I'm asking you to trust me. The more I've leaned in as a skeptic myself, 
to, to corroborate that this is true, the more I can stand with confidence and humility and say, search for him. You're going to find him. You're going to find him. You're going to put your hands on him. You're going to hear his voice. You're going to know his goodness. And, and it's not just an announcement for those shepherds 2,000 years ago. The good news is it's an announcement for you and me to invite us to come and search. So uh, I, don't, I don't know where that lands on your world tonight, but I want to uh, invite you to that. Now, uh, listen, no shade, but I've heard that some of you moms and dads may have seen some little elves making their way around your homes over the last few weeks. Is this true, anybody? Elves that have made their way around, leaving cookie crumbs. They're sitting on shelves, elves on shelves. They're, 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 they're doing things. They're checking on children, making sure they're doing all the... Anybody? Anybody? Okay, well, I'm just saying, watch out for these elves on shelves. We, we don't have elves on shelves at my house, but what we do have is we've got this guy. His name is Sam. Everybody say, hi, Sam. One, two, three. This is Shepherd Sam, and uh, I don't know who came up with Shepherd Sam. It's, uh, it's the Christian version, all right, if you will. Um, and uh, he's fantastic, and my son loves Shepherd Sam. He thinks he's great. He's waving at you right there. See, there you go. All right. He, he thinks he's great. And Shepherd Sam uh, he comes with a little storybook about how he's, he's heard the angels tell him the good news and so all he does in the Advent season is make his way around the Cooper residence looking for baby Jesus. That's what he does. So sometimes he's up on the old chandelier like he was just the other night. Sometimes he's sitting in the coffee cup. Sometimes he's in my kid's room. Sometimes he's like pinned to the front door behind the, the wreath on our front door looking through the window. It's kind of wild. Shepherd Sam will leave notes. He's, he's doing all kinds of fun things, but here's what he's doing. Shepherd Sam is on a search and don't you know that the last six years on Christmas morning, do you know where Shepherd Sam is found? He's found right there at that nativity set at our home because he has searched and he has found baby Jesus for himself. He's found baby Jesus for himself. And the invitation this Christmas is that you and I would not let somebody else search for us, but we would come and search for ourselves. You know, something that hit me as I was praying and really meditating on this scripture, I wonder for those shepherds when it happened to them that they realized they went on a search that night 2,000 years ago, but at some point down the line they realized God had been looking for me, not just me looking for him. And I wanna offer to you, young and old tonight, that you're here at this Christmas service and, and, and maybe there's something in you that's trying to search out and corroborate and find out if Jesus Christ is real but one of the coolest moments that will happen for you is when you realize that it's actually God who's been looking for you for a very long time. And that everything that's happened in your life has come to this moment. Everything that's happened over the last few days, the last few weeks, the last few seasons. I'm talking about very, very beautiful things and very, very painful things. All of those things have been father filtered so that you might be a pre-believer right now. But in due time. God's gonna convince you that he loves you, that he died for you, and that he's been searching for you, sir, ma'am, for your entire life. That's the good news of the Christmas story. There's an announcement, there's a search, and then the third thing I'd love for you to write down is there's another announcement. It's a whole circle. There's an announcement, there's a search, and there's another announcement. But this time the announcement is not in the mouth of angels. This time the, the announcement is in the mouth of the shepherds themselves because they are convinced. Let's look at it in verse 17. It says, and when they saw it. Now let me pause right here. Who is they? When they saw it, who is they? Not rhetorical. Come on, Anderson Campus, help me out. Who is they? 
Shepherds. They as the shepherds, when they saw it, when they heard his cry, when they, when they touched him, and I can't, I don't know, maybe, maybe, well, you want to hold the baby? You know how y'all do. Hold, let's hold the baby for a minute. Yeah, that's, that's the baby. You're holding the baby. When they, when they heard his cry and touched him themselves, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at, the, at, what, at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds, look at this, they returned doing what? They returned glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now leave that up there for just a moment. I just want to plead with you for a second. Saints in the room, those of us that you are sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior and your Lord. I want to plead with you for a second. That these shepherds were not seminary trained, traveling itinerant evangelists. They were just nine to five, working their job, working hand to mouth, living life. But yet, they were so convinced of the good news that not out of obligation, not out of religious duty, not out of shame and guilt, but rather out of just the natural overflow of what they had seen and experienced. They said, I got to praise God and share it in my world. That's the way the gospel works. That's how you're in the state of South Carolina 2,000 years later hearing the good news tonight is because men and women have been so convinced that they've given everything. They've given their lives. They've built their families. They've changed their careers. They've definitely changed their majors. They've, They've built their homes. Their grandchildren are raised this way and they've shaped their world to make sure that everybody knows that I didn't just hear the good news. I I confirmed it with my own mind and heart, and now I am declaring it with my mouth and my life. Amen? This is the story of the gospel. We have gotten in a world where we have created professional Christians. Hi. Categorically, I'm one of these people. But I just want to say, I'm not trying to be a professional Christian. I'm just trying to be a faithful man following Jesus just like you. And I want to invite you, sir, and you, ma'am, you college student, you middle schooler, you grandparent, come on, let's be faithful Christians together. There is no such thing as a sacred and secular divide. There are just God's people around the world who repeat the sounding joy. And it's our time and it's our turn And again, we've got a few more moments here tonight, but I just want to really put a pin in something right here. The world right now is talking about being in a post-Christian reality. Our country right now is talking about being in a post-Christian reality. And I just want to to plead with you, sir, ma'am, what if 2023 you were known more for your walk with Jesus than anything else in your life, more than your career, more more than your success, More than anything else in your life, what if we were those kind of people that were known for what Jesus had done for us and what he was doing in us? And we weren't weren't trying to be professional, performing Christians. We're just average men and women who are going after Jesus in our day with all we've got because that's what these shepherds did. They walked away from Jesus being convinced, and here's what they had. They had a story to tell, and they had a song to sing. That's it. It's really that simple, friends. These shepherds had seen it, they had been convinced of it, and they go away just bubbling over with a story to tell and a song to sing. That's what the text says. They went glorifying and praising, and they're going back to their buddies, and they're going, you know, I don't know if the shepherds hung out over here beside the, the, you know, who they were hanging out with, but this was, this was what they did. They went sharing the good news of Jesus with their families and their friends. 
And so this is the question I want to ask you tonight on all of our campuses. Tonight, do you have a story to tell and a song to sing about Jesus Christ, your Savior, who has come into your life, made an announcement of good news, you have sought it out, found it to be true, and now it's your turn. One of the coolest things has occurred that really started happening in my family during COVID. Y'all remember COVID? One of these days we're going to stop talking about it. I don't know when. Not anytime soon, but we're still here talking about it. But here's one of the cool things that happened during that time. Everything slowed down for a minute. Things that were on the calendar went away. And my family at my house got real serious about family meals at the dinner table. It was awesome. And on Friday nights at my house, we celebrate a meal together. And we take communion together as a family. And I'm just putting this in front of us because it's been such a powerful time every Friday my oldest is in the third grade, and my baby boy, that cute little center I told you about earlier, he's three and a half, okay? And I got one in the first grade. We take communion together, and it's awesome. I mean, it's no pressure. Just we share the story of Jesus. I ask the kids questions. They're telling me about the Lord, and it's cool. But here's what's really cool. This is also when we have guests in our home. So we might have grandparents there. We might have neighbors there. We might have friends there. We might have people that the kids know from school. We, we have people in our home. And one of the things that I ask those guests to do is I asked those guests to share with my kids when it was that they began a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's the coolest thing for my kids to hear the faith of everyday men and women just talking about how Jesus met them, some of them as adults, some of them in their, you know, in their, in their job, some of them when they were a kid, some of them at camp. They just start to share where Jesus met them. You see, we all, if we're a saint, if we're we're found tonight in Christ. We all have a story to tell and a song to sing. I just want to put this in front of us as we'll all be gathering with friends and family over the next several days. What if somebody took a little bit of leadership and instead of just throwing up a prayer before everybody got after the food, somebody at the meal at some point said, hey, let's take a little bit of time and let's share the story of when Jesus Christ came and the gospel was announced to your heart. You know one of the things that would absolutely bless some of you is to hear your parents tell the story of how they met Jesus 30 years ago. Some of us are going to get the chance to lead our parents to Christ this Christmas because they're going to say, I don't have a story, and that's okay. Some of us are going to get the chance to share our story and, and end up leading our children to Christ because this is the way the gospel good news works. It's just average every day, right in the middle of life, men and women who hear the announcement of fear not, good news, great joy for all people. There's a Savior been born, and He's been born to you. He's come to you, and it's your chance to respond. Search Him out, but check this out. Don't just settle for being the one that's been announced to. Once you've found it out, start to share your story and sing your song. Amen? That's what we get the chance to do this Christmas season. So, here tonight, there may be some people in this room on all of our campuses that you need to, tonight, make a decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. So here's what I want to invite all of us on all of our campuses. Would you stand to your feet? And if you're a guest with us, this is something we do every single week, what we're about to do. And so... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and invite some of our ministry teams to move to some of our stations around the room. And while they're moving, I want to invite the rest of us to make a plan. Here's where they're moving to. There's a couple of things in every single room. You'll notice in your room that there is a cross in your room. In my room right here, it's to my right, your left. That cross is for folks that want to 
tonight declare, I want Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I want to receive his forgiveness. I want to receive his eternal life. I want to give him my sin and brokenness. I want to give him my despair, my bad news, my fear, my isolation. I want to to give that to him, and he will receive it tonight. And listen, I want you to know that there are literally thousands of other believers in the room that have made that decision before. And so you will not be alone if any of you in a moment need to make your way to the cross and, and give your life to Christ. For Christians in the room, saints that are here, all over the room in the balcony as well, we have communion stations. I want to invite you to come and receive communion tonight. Come receive the body and blood of Christ in this Christmas season and be reminded that he broke himself for you and for me. And receive that good news announcement that you and I might leave tonight into the cold, blustery weather we're going to step back into. And we're going to get a chance to go and share the good news of Jesus with friends and family members all Christmas season long. There's spaces in the room for prayer. If you've got something going on in your life, we would absolutely love to pray for you. Maybe it's a medical thing, maybe it's a job thing, maybe it's a school thing. I just want you to know that there is prayer areas in your room. We would love to pray with you about whatever it is you may be dealing with. For others of us tonight, one of the ways you can respond is you can respond right there in singing. Our our, our worship teams are going to come and lead us in some song here. I want you to be invited like those shepherds. These guys weren't professional musicians. They were probably a little bit flat, sang a little bit off key. You know what I mean? That's okay. They were making a joyful noise. I want to invite you to make a joyful noise tonight, okay? That's all right. And then others of you, maybe perhaps you want to worship through giving your tithes and offerings. You can do that as well. All of those things are on the table. But I just want to say right here, right now, if tonight you need to give your life to Christ, in a moment like this with thousands of folks in attendance, I just believe that there are some of us that are a hair's breadth away, listen to me, a hair's breadth away from eternity. I don't say that to cause any kind of undue fear. I'm just trying to bring reality. Some folks tonight, this is your last opportunity to respond to the Christmas announcement of Christ. And tonight, the Lord is searching for you. And He wants you, He doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to bless you. The only thing He wants from you is your sin and all that that actually has earned you. He wants to give you good news tonight. And if that's you, I just want to invite you right there where you are in the stillness of this moment heads bowed, eyes closed, to just ask the Lord, God, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sin. I receive your life. I want to be a part of the family of God. Fill me up, Holy Spirit. Lead me for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina. Okay, one more. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church podcast. 